0: The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be used in the place of advice from a mental health medical professional for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. The opinions shared in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect those of our employers. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of GFT and sagas.
1: <laughs> he sounded so, so like so soft and so soothing. Like for some reason, all I could think of was the SNL bit about sweaty balls. <laughs> the, the two <laughs> girls and I was like, "Hello, welcome to our show." It's like so, like calming and everything. Like there should be some like waterfalls and tea pouring and just like. And now we're in our safe space with sweaty balls.
0: You also have to understand we're doing this at like a quarter to eleven at night. And and it's fourth of July. And and we've been playing all day with our godson. And I wanna to go to sleep.
1: That's of shit. <laughs> I don't ca- I I don't care. You gotta bring it for the folks. You gotta bring that excitement, that joy.
0: And that is, that is why I'm drinking my ketones right now. For okay the energy.
1: Lace with LSD. (laughs) All
0: right. So, since this is episode two of our multi-episode podcasts on Superman and Attachment Theory... um, The
1: crossover no one asks for, but your game regardless.
0: (laughs) Um, My lovely, lovely husband uh, is going to be discussing today... One of my favorite, actually, comics, "Speeding Bullets," because it talks about everybody's favorite superhero, Batman.
1: That's right, because it's all about Batman.
0: But it's an Elseworlds comic, so we all know it is not Batman. It is what if.
1: It's, 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 a, it's a, again, one of those tropes of Superman that, what if? What if he was bad? What if he had great hair? What if he was in the Soviet Union? What if he had a tail? What if I'm, he had two penises? Like, we don't know these things. I and mean, he is an alien after all.
0: I'm sorry. Superman has great hair.
1: Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't fucking know. He's <laughs> so. just drawn that way to have this, like, luxuri- luxurious fucking hair. the that-
0: asshole. <laughs> Yeah, that beautiful S curl that he always has.
1: One fucking curl.
0: That one curl, yeah. And and nobody knows it's Clark Kent when that one curl is out of his hair, is out of his face. Sorry, for some,
1: for some reason or another. Don't yeah, know why. that
0: one that one curl just blends in, and all of a sudden, I didn't realize you were Superman. <gasps> all right, so. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess let's get into Speeding Bullets.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, before we do that, some stuff that is coming out this week that uh, if you have the luxurious ability to spend money on comic books, because if anyone listens to the podcast, the Saga's podcast, hint, hint, uh, you know comic books is not a cheap fucking hobby to have. Especially with certain titles coming out sometimes bi-weekly versus month by month by month. So yeah, it's not cheap and it sucks. But if you have that money, one, I hate you, two, share, uh, and three, again, I hate you. So He Cap- doesn't hate you. Okay, I'm a little bit jealous at the very least. So we are recording on July the 4th, so it's only fitting that we begin with Captain America issue number 30. Tana nehisis run of Cap is ending with issue number 30, so it's only fitting we announce that on July the 4th. And the world of The Amazing Spider-Man, everyone's favorite neighborhood spider spider guy, an Amazing Spider-Man number seventy is the prelude episode before the Sinister War officially kicks in. Also announced, in case you missed it, that Ben Riley, yes, the clone of Peter Parker, is back. If you don't know who Ben Riley is, hand in your geek card. You are not allowed to be on this podcast. But if you want to be part of the cool kids, go read Clone Saga and go check out why Ben Riley is one of the most badass characters ever created, even if he is a fucking clone. So yes, do that. The most balla event of the summer is over hellfire gala is over we get a month to deal with that fact as the trial of magneto will officially begin on august the 18th why is that important because if you read the hellfire gala you have about 10 seconds to skip ahead because some major spoilers are going to be dropped in the the next 10 seconds why is the hellfire gala important all right run away right now scarlet witch is dead by the hands of magneto
0: Dun, dun,
1: dun. Uh, Those of you who skipped ahead, welcome back. You didn't miss anything. So, yes, you get a month to reel over this before that begins. And that also ties into uh, Jerry Duggan's X-Men number one dropping, taking over Jonathan Heckman's run of the X-Men, dealing with the fallout from the Hellfire Gala and, of course, the Reign of X arc still going on. I'm still high on the Ruby Justice League crossover. It's a crossover I didn't think I want, but I wanted it now. And you should get it, especially because there's no issue this freaking week. So if you want to catch up on back issues, now's the time to do it. Don't say I didn't warn you that you should be buying this book because, damn it, buy this fucking book. Speaking of the Bat, because we're going to talk about Batman kind of with Superman and all that fun shit. The Batman Fortnite crossover is ending with issue number six. Now, if you have been collecting this and you do play Fortnite in every issue, you have been getting those little tokens. You get the last token in this issue. You get, you get the free armored Batman skin for Fortnite. So if you miss the issues and want the skin and don't want to go through all that fun shit of buying it online, get the fucking issues. It's that simple. Of course, it's still more Batman. Batman number 10. It's Batman versus Peacemaker. Ghostmaker versus the Instigator in issue number 110. If that's not enough to make you want to spend money, um, I don't know what is. And a couple of sequel issues, Crushing Lobo number two, Wonder Girl number two, and Justice League Infinity number one all drops this week. So lots of comic books to spend your money on if you have it. And a couple of uh, sales going on right now for back issues. So now's a good time to catch up because a lot of events are going to be happening. So ta mm. Yeah, there you go. Money to spend this week. That's a lot. That's a lot. Like I said, folks, it's not cheap. It's not a cheap poppy to have. So Miss Kathleen, as she knocks over her bottle, clutch that she is. Superman, Speeding Bullets, part of the World series. So why about this speaks volumes to you?
0: Because it's what if. <laughs> um, I love this episode of the Elseworlds sagas. One, it's that, that wonderful thing of what if Kal-El landed in Gotham City? We get to see the wonderful life he would have had with the Waynes. But we also get to see that some things are kind of just written in fate. So that whole thing, uh, you know, them just dying at the hands of Joe Chill just was supposed to happen. But we also get to see what happens with uh, basically post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth through this episode. So Bruce suffers a lot of post-traumatic stress throughout the whole beginning of the episode. He isolates. He refuses to leave the house at all. He blames himself for his parents' death. He, I mean, just goes and starts clipping every article where people die. And I mean, he just relives the traumatic event over and over and over again so if you've seen any batman where they show batman's parents dying it's the same it's the same thing stop shooting us
1: (laughs) (laughs) like them and uncle ben like can we stop getting shot we've done our time
0: so so no matter what it just happens there's there's not a change in the story that's exactly what happens the difference is the child. So Bruce is not the Bruce Wayne that we know that becomes the Batman that is the biological child of Thomas and Martha Wayne. This is the adopted child that they find. So thinking of the Kents, instead of, you know, giving birth, they found a child and they raised them as their own. And from there, they kind of became these doting parents. And I kind of want you to get into it because it talks it, like the way the story depicts the two different parenting styles talks can show volumes of why Bruce develops these post-traumatic stress And how he develops his post-traumatic growth. And I will talk about actually a whole bunch of different psychological terms (laughs) and definitions in this episode.
1: So real quick, uh, we covered Red Son last time. We'll be covering another Superman trope um, in two weeks on the the next crossover. As we go over the different variations of the Superman and the mind job that a lot of these guys have gone through. And... What's interesting about Speeding Bullets is that, yes, it is a one-shot. It's, it is what it is. You know, you, you get one story not really centered in any particular universe. Even uh, most series nowadays, especially uh, a good example would be uh, upcoming this week, uh, the, ex- the Extreme uh, Carnage Alpha one-shot coming out this week, where the symbiotes, uh, Scream, Phage, Riot, and uh, Scream are all dealing with the uh, fallout of the King in Black. It's a one-shot, and it's going to be one and done. It's going to be their story, and you move on. It's not to, it's not really tied to any one particular storyline. It's in, it's out, you walk away. So Speeding Bullets is sort of the same way as you're hitting that little beep in the background because, you know, apparently in our other uh, lives, we, uh, we run with Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable because that's how we run in this geek life. So Speeding Bullets is very much a one-shot, but it's very thin for a one-shot where... Most one-shots nowadays, even though they're one centralized story, they're a little bit thicker. You get a solid conclusion. You you get a solid beginning, a solid middle, and you get a solid ending. Now, Speeding Bullets is an interesting what-if, but it reads very much like a single issue. It's not really in-depth. It's pretty much like if you were watching a half-hour cartoon. It's in, it's out, and it's over. So The premise is what sells it. The story, for me, is really flat. It really is the premise that that, that draws you in. What if Clark Kent became Bruce Wayne? And I really felt like like DeMettis uh missed out on still Martha and Thomas still getting it on. And there's you know, say Thomas Wayne. There's another, another Bruce would become Thomas. But see, that's the glorious the glorious of what ifs. You get to play around with fantasy. So this begins pretty much like every other Superman beginning, but the narration is done through Lois Lane's point of view. So in every Superman world, there's a Lois Lane. We saw that in Red Sun, even though she was uh, married to Lex Luthor, there's still Lois Lane. Here, it's still the same thing. It's Lois Lane, but time, this time she's doing the narration and begins the same way. Baby crash lands onto Earth, except this time, instead of landing in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, she lands. Well, no, she well, he lands in the outskirts of Gotham City, pretty much the suburbs, and that's where. Martha Kent, I'm sorry, Martha, Martha Wayne, because Martha, why, are they, why did you say that name? So Martha Wayne, Thomas Wayne find this little baby. And what's odd is that for all the money they have for how smart Thomas is, he's like, hmm, there's a crash on a baby. Nothing is odd about this. Come, I'll bring you to my household. And, um, what? Dude, you run a multi-billion dollar company. And you're like, you know what? Eh, fuck it. No one's going to see this. Even Alfred's like, um, sir, are <laughs> you sure about this? Uh, it's OK, Alfred, just start the car.
0: Well, in all honesty, Martha was the one who was just like, let's take him home. This is now our baby. And Thomas was like, all right, cool. We'll take him home. And Alfred was like, so I guess we're not going to this party.
1: Nope. No party needed. And,
0: (laughs) and, And with that, Thomas realized that they could no longer be part of society the way they used to and... Wayne Manor was going to now be their, their sort of like, Wayne. I mean, it was going to be Wayne Manor. That was it. That was going to be where they resided and how it's they Wayne's were world. Going. It's party time. <laughs> Excellent. It was going to be their life. That was it. So,
1: so yeah. I mean, I, I get all of that, but I got. I guess you know one of the great uh, knocks on, on Batman is what he has money. Congratulations, Clark. You now have money. Yeah. Money solves everything. And right off the bat, it's a, it's all narration at this point, the life of early Bruce, and pretty much um he is given a normal life. There's nothing out of the ordinary here. Uh for Superman normally, it's always gonna be the I grew up on a farm, it was quiet, I've lived the farm life, and life was good. Well here he gets to live the quiet life um pampered, the pampered high life. But it is still the wanes and for those who you know who follow the glory that is the goddamn Batman, you damn well know, growing up, uh, Bruce was raised, pampered, but he went through higher learning very early on. Thomas was all about learning. Um, Martha, the very nurturing one. So that pretty much didn't change. He still got the normal life, quote unquote, but here it's the high life, normal life versus you know, in the muds, in the sticks kind of thing and it plays out like typical batman story
0: okay let's let's be a little bit like transparent there so yes martha was extremely caring to um to to bruce she was very loving very caring um and alfred apparently was not just his uh butler his babysitter his nanny um and ran sort of like camp alfred so that he was run you know doing whatever activities to keep him busy thomas wayne yes kind of rigid very rigid um but also was the one who kind of oh, he was the one who just made sure his mind was always learning something new and he loved the fact that bruce AKA kal um, was extremely exceptionally smart, but let's not get this wrong. He also knew his son was an alien species and documented everything. Cause don't forget Dr. Thomas Wayne, you know fool. So everything was documented as he was an experiment to Thomas. So though he treated him like a sign, Everything was almost as if it was an experiment for Thomas. Which,
1: uh, which you know, it sounds a little bit bad, but in reality, it's not stupid of him because one hand, I'm going to raise this thing to be the best possible thing it can be. That's a very fatherly thing to do. Congratulations on that. However, this thing fell out of the fucking sky. I'm going to keep tabs on this all the fucking time because I don't know if a switch is going to go off and I'm going to have a laser in my head. Well, we... well, to, well, to be fair, at the time, he doesn't, he doesn't know that. All he knows is that kid fell out of the sky. I'm just one of those people that's like, kid falls out of the sky? That fucker can, can stay right there. I'm going in the opposite direction. I do not have the skills to deal with this. In a horror film, I'm the first motherfucker to die. Y'all are not. You're clearly written in the script to be heroes. I'm the comic relief. I know my place <laughs> in the story. I croak. That's okay. I'm going to move on. So, all right. So yeah, um, just moving on to the story. It plays out like like a typical Batman story. We go we go, and what's interesting about this is that is that we get to the scene where it's the theater. We all know the theater where uh, they get got, but it's, it's it's really weird calling him Bruce because he's Kalel. But Bruce here, much like a- every other iteration, loves to, loves Zorro. He he grew up still loving those characters. Mm-hmm. So it plays out just like that. There's the. There's a scene in Crime Alley, they get shot, they go down and Alfred basically becomes like everything you just said and everything and more. He becomes his caretaker, his best friend, becomes everything everything about his life and while he's still learning, he's doing all this fun stuff but unlike the Bruce we know that fed to become the Batman our Bruce was always fueled somewhere internally with this hardcore vengeance. This Bruce, while it's very deep in his brain. It takes a longer time to manifest. Our Bruce by his teenage years is like I'm going to fuck up anything with a pulse cuz he has a lot of repressed anger. This dude very different in in when it when it comes to that.
0: So but are you going to explain why?
1: Well, yeah. So <laughs> the, 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 let's get to the part we we uh <laughs> we probably should mention beforehand. So I I made the jab about, you know, hey, I want to keep the tabs on this kid because he may put a laser in my brain. So, Thomas gets shot. Martha gets shot. And honestly, Joe Chill is looking at Bruce going, well, it's time you're going to get shot too, because stop crying. And it's at this point where this Bruce realizes he has powers because it for the first time it manifests. So the entire time he lived with the Waynes, at no point did Super Speed, hearing any of that funny shit, uh, kick in. It kicks in here when he lasers this dude's face off like silly putty. And he does a great job, unfortunately, blocking it out. It won't be till many moons later, and we'll get to that part in, in, a, in a couple of minutes where that becomes the next story arc moving the story forward. So we get the shots. We get the parents go down. Our Bruce, our, our old school Batman, in his teenage years, there's a lot of repressed anger. There's not very any, any of that shit. He remembers everything as clear as day, and that sets him off to be the, the fun loving guy we. <laughs> fun loving guy. The guy we come to love, the goddamn Batman. This Bruce, I guarantee, uh, we're saying he's probably about 10, 12 years old at this point.
0: Well, in this, they say he's nine.
1: He's nine, so he's just before hitting uh, those nice little tween years. Most of man's stories comes a little bit later uh, in those teen years when he, he manifests those powers. So yeah, you're you're a kid. You see your your parents get shot. They go down. It's horrifying to uh, anyone that hears a story like that, it's far worse for anyone who a fortune has gone through it. And then you discover you can melt someone's face off. Yep. And that's one of the lasting images you see because then at that point with this, all these events happening within to us, it's a couple of minutes. To him, it's probably even probably more of an eternity as time's probably like stopping in that freaking motion because again, you just melted some dude's, some dude's face off. It's fucking like silly putty. It's that cheese on a, on a good pizza. It's coming off. And the art is... The hard colors, orange and red, you don't get to see too much of it. But you know what's happening. It's it's pizza face. And that's what, I guess, creates the uh, the next part of this for our, our guy.
0: So, in this one, you can definitely start seeing the manifestation of post-traumatic stress. He has completely sort of blocked out the, the traumatic event of losing his parents. Well... I'm not going to say he's lo- the dramatic the events of losing his parents. He's blocked out what he's done. So he doesn't remember what he did to Joe chill, chill. He knows he's lost his parents. Um, and it gets to a point where it's blacked out so much that all he can remember is bullets, bullets, bullets. And when the police finally get to, him in crime alley he's just repeating those words they can't get him to speak at all except to that he keeps repeating the words bullets 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 so they know his his parents have been shot they're assuming it's by Joe Chill they don't know why Joe Chill who is dead there what happened to him? What happened that he's uh, dead and his face is completely gone. Um, but Bruce is, I'm going to completely keep tripping over the fact that his name is Bruce. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, that ain't the only one. Yeah.
0: Um, Bruce is completely traumatized by this event. Um, yes, the loss of his parents is what triggered the trauma. Um, but it is the actual killing of someone himself that has actually kind of solidified the trauma for him. So this is the full traumatic event um, for him. This is where we start seeing like, okay, he did have a, so w- last week we started talking about the secu- uh, the attachment styles. So let's go back more into that. So When we're talking about attachments, we want to start talking about, like, what are the attachment styles? So with Bruce, with Martha, and with Thomas, he would have had a secure attachment. So when a secure attachment bond um, says that the parents meet the child's needs for security, calm, understanding allows for optimum development of the child's nervous system, Um, the child's developing brain organizes itself to provide a foundation foundation based on feeling of safety. So as the child matures, this foundation can result in healthy self-awareness, eagerness to learn, empathy, and trust. Um, And so infants who are securely attached have learned that they can trust other people to take care of them, and they tend to react well to stress by uh, be willing to try new things independently, form stronger interpersonal relationships, And be superior problem solvers. Now, because of the fact that he was still very much a child when this happens, there is the possibility of sort of... And I hate to say that he develops an insecure attachment, but being the fact that he's lost his main attachment point, so his parents, he has Alfred there and Alfred does try to take that point of being a person to attach to. It would also be the whole thing of he's had a traumatic event that took his parents from him. Now he's scared that any any person that he chooses to attach to, any person that he will attach to, can be taken in such a traumatic way as well. Things like that can also become a detriment to a child's development and also become a component in developing an insecure attachment. But if a child has already formed secure attachments and something like that happens, it's easier for them to go back to that secure attachment style. So from that standpoint, we can see he's had the secure attachment, and we'll see later on that he develops sort of an insecure attachment because he starts to avoid others, refuse interactions with others. He'll show anxiety, anger, or fear. And again, we're going to go talk more about that. And no, let's go back into, into speeding bullets.
1: <laughs> All right, so back in the speeding bullets. Let's just uh, leave the, uh, the psychology out of this for a moment. And let's just be real about this. This dude just shuts down. That, that's all he does. He just absolutely shuts down. So we, we, so again, this is a one shot that feels very much like an issue. So there's a lot of, that just gets cut right into the meat of the story. There's no uh, buildup. There's no nothing. We pretty much just leapfrog from Melty Face to now Bruce is now an adult. We know Alfred has been taking care of him. He's his best friend. Uh, we do know he is still running Wayne Enterprises uh, through the back door of things. He's not. He's he makes no attempts to be. At any board meetings, nothing. This dude is completely one with uh, Wayne Manor. It's to the point where he's pretty much a myth. Like no one believes Bruce Wayne is real.
0: Well, he's a recluse now.
1: He, he's a he's a hermit. He ain't seen. He sees the sun. He opens up the curtains. Okay, that that's it. If which, he which, we,
0: opens which, up the curtains. If
1: he opens up the curtains. Which which this is why this is a complete comic book in our real life. Because that dude should be a fat bastard, and he is not. Unless unless he's he a gym there, he works out twenty four seven.
0: He's it. also an alien.
1: See, comic books. That's the only way this works. So, but we the papers we get, he, he's uh, reading about the, the the glory that is Gotham. Gotham is still violent because Gotham will not change no matter what. Thankfully, it's not Bloodhaven because that could be far worse.
0: Oh my God.
1: Looking at you, Dick Grayson. But, anyways, no Dick Grayson, too. See, this what if is fucking pissing me off. But, anyways, no Graysons. There's no Robins. Damn it. <laughs> Kill me, man. you killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. The story starts taking a, a more darker turn, if, it, if you can, with, you know, dead kids, well, dead parents and everything, and a melty face. And you get these good little panels of him walking through the house, and then you see that he has all these news news clippings on the walls of, like, pretty much all these murders, muggings, everything happening in Gotham. And if anyone knows about Gotham, I mean, you probably would need two mansions worth of wall to cover the amount of bad stuff happening in Gotham. The Falcone family by themselves probably have their own wing of freaking violence. And that's on a good day. On a bad day, made is a door. And that's about it. And then there's... It's... I hate saying de- it's not really depressing because we've probably re- read this version of Batman so many times. Like, we know this story. Nothing nothing ever changes. Like So, we guess we, it is speeding bullets. It is a new take on, you know, the bat and all. But it's pretty much reads like a fucking Batman book for pretty much the first half of this. Minus the violence of him, you know, going overseas and assassins and all that fun stuff, and then he has his—I don't want to say coming of age moment, but it might as well just be a coming of age moment.
0: Oh, you forgot to read the article where Luther comes to Gotham.
1: Oh, well, it's not, that. Unfortunately, really isn't that important just yet. The the more important part is his uh, his anger finally shows for the first time. That's way more important than the news clipping about Luther because Luther's arc. Uh, is more important later on.
0: Well, it's foreshadowing.
1: It is foreshadowing, but I, 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 I honestly think that we can probably leave out. Okay, so for, for transparency's sake, there's one part of the articles He's reading in the newspaper that Luther's coming to uh, to Gotham to expand the Metropolis Empire, mm-hmm. and that comes a little bit later on. And you'll see why I say like that probably could never happened this part of and this part of the issue, and it still would have served its purpose how it plays out. It plays out later on. So, burglar comes into the uh, the house, attempts to mug Wayne's, because, again, no one in Gotham believes Bruce Wayne is real, because the guy doesn't go out worth a damn. And this is before, you know, paparazzi exists like it does today. There's no Instagram, there's no Facebook, it's all no social media, none of that shit existed when this Elseworlds printed. So, for all we knew, Bruce Wayne could have been a myth. This guy breaks into the house, and then Bruce has this moment of, like that memory of his folks starts cracking through, and then <laughs> anger kicks in. All that pent up, holy shit, alien uh, DNA <laughs> doesn't get to go completely ham like the Hulk, but he does hurt his uh, would-be attacker. And then those moments start creeping in of like, wait a minute, I had this all, I had this, this whole time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I could have stopped it. And we all know Superman, the great the great line, faster than a speeding bullet. Oh, my God, speeding bullets. Oh, what a novelty. It starts kicking in hard that like he had that ability all this time. Like, he could have stopped those bullets from taking out Martha, taking out Thomas. He could have still had his family. Joe Chill, he probably would have still melted his face off. But that's Joe Chill's problem, not ours. And that leads to the next arc. But that's where we are now
0: so he wished but the triggering event in that one was when the people broke into the house one guy
1: well, there, there was two no no no, of them. no, 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 no two guys, my apologies. yeah one guy one, one guy paid for it badly
0: one guy uh, had Alfred with a gun to his head and the other guy had the gun at Bruce and they said they were gonna blow Alfred's head off if Bruce didn't like I don't remember give him money or whatever
1: the cheat coast of Mortal Kombat <laughs>
0: <laughs> everybody wants that. And that was a triggering event. And he kind of just went... He remembered everything based on what happened there. He got so enraged. He shot the... He used the laser eyes.
1: He channeled his inner Cyclops.
0: And he... um, And, and he didn't really hurt them, hurt them. I mean, I think he...
1: Well, one guy, uh, <laughs> one guy became um.
0: He threw mar- the other guy. He threw one guy out a window.
1: But the, but the, when he went Cyclops, one guy became uh, a human marshmallow.
0: No, he only got his hand.
1: You sure about that? Because that that panel looks like uh he's he's a marshmallow.
0: Sure okay. about that? I don't know.
1: Crispy critters. I to San Francisco. I, I, I'm gonna
0: say uh, it's a continuation issue if you further read the book. It's it's a continuation okay. issue in the book. Okay. Because. Because when you read it later on, one guy goes out the window and the other one has a burn on his hand. During this page, the whole guy is on fire.
1: <laughs> and he does take a map, to be fair. Yeah, I just like saying Christmas critters.
0: Yes, yes. So, Alfred apparently knew about his powers based on what Thomas Wayne was writing about him. And remembered everything that... You know, because he was there when the Waynes found him. Um, So, he took him down to... Beep boop, beep, boop. <laughs> The The religion of beep boop beep boop <laughs> He took him down to, to, the, to the the bat cave. Da, na, 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 na. Which I'm guessing the Wayne Mounter always had this cave attached to it. Yes. And uh, and and nobody thought to like get an excavator there to go. Hey, like, is my house safe on this cave?
1: I'm, I'm I'm willing to bet that they probably had those. And considering how much money the Waynes had, they they pretty much said, "Listen, I'm gonna pay you to shut up, and if you talk."
0: Not an excavator. What is it? Oh uh, the I'm saying an excavator. No, not an excavator. The one of those people that come and look at houses. Same thing. Same thing.
1: We're gonna pay you to shut up. If you talk, well, you see how rich how rich I am, right?
0: <laughs> we'll make you go away. So uh, cause I'm sure Thomas Wayne had uh, ties with Falcone at some point. Yeah. That's another story we'll talk about. Fucking quarter of owls, <laughs> man. Love that story. <laughs> <sighs> I know that one. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, getting back to speeding bullets. Um, Damn Falcone. (laughs) So he shows him the, 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 all the findings. He shows him, he shows him Thomas Wayne's journal, which he then gets to read. And he also shows him his, his rocket, which apparently looked like a speeding bullet when it was coming out of space.
1: Yeah, they're trying to really hit down the nose in this. Yeah,
0: they're really going for that speeding bullet thing. So just just FYI. They will use that term throughout this book. Um and so then Bat oh God. Yeah, yeah. Batman.
1: Yeah. Um it feels weird, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it really does. So Batman then decides all of a sudden he knows gymnastics. Um <laughs> there was never any Mentioned that he did gymnastics. I guess that was like the summer camp that Alfred was doing with Bruce. Um, and he backflips in the air and it's like, these are my people. Can you see the bats flying? No, of course you can't. Because you don't have like the perfect eyesight like I do. Because I'm Superman. Oh, sorry. Batman. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> even Even as Batman, Superman's a fucking dork.
0: Yeah. So... But it was hilarious because like, if you saw the, if you see the artwork, he has these red glowing eyes and I'm going, okay, so you're mm-hmm. Dracula now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look at this. Yeah. He looks like he's evil. It's not, even, it's not even pretty. <laughs> but, but,
1: but, but even during his transformation, you're like, oh, you're such a tool, man. <laughs> like, like the, the one art shot makes him look cool, but everything leading up to that, you're like, man, and like, you're just, like, you're such a fucking yuppie.
0: So so Bruce becomes Batman to avenge all these murders that are happening in his city, which, of course, is what happens when Bruce realizes, again when Bruce comes back from his walkabout around the world. This Bruce doesn't do a walkabout around the world and is a recluse and has superpowers so he doesn't need to do all that but he still decides to become the batman based on this cave and realizes that these are his people the bats yep still a tool so the main difference with the cape and the cowl isn't
1: well this is more aligns with the uh uh 70s 80s batman the blues and the grays that were the heavily present uh at the time so from a color from a color scheme standpoint um they fall in line very much with that iterations of previous batman um this the the suit itself um you can sell you can tell later on uh serve as inspiration for the asriel batman uh a little bit of the armor that came about when um Bane broke uh, Bruce's back, and Asriel became the Batman for a while. Um, a very thicker armor, the way he looks around the chest, uh, really point your ears. Really, again, really heavy on, on the chest part and the shoulder area. So, if, if you look at the artwork there and look at the Azrael, um, again, when he took over for Bruce for a hot minute, uh, you can see similarities there. You can see some inspiration in the artwork that, poss- that very possibly played into it, and that's pretty much this on a complete eyeball test. But color scheme wise again, very blues, very gray greys, very, very uh those color schemes were there. It There's was a
0: full face mask.
1: Yeah, and the and yeah, the face mask too, again, which again falls more along along the line with what you see with Az- Azriel, what he did later on um in that series. So um like menacing wise, um definitely fits the bill when he goes on to Gotham and he's you know you know, cleaning up Gotham. So like from a Batman standpoint, he looks like the bat you know batman on the streets is like people shit their pants for a reason cuz you know if you run into the bat you're going to there's a good chance you're coming up with some broken limbs you can you're not going to be on the streets for a hot minute and now you have a super being that you know he can flick you at the right capacity and does amount of damage and bruce right now is you know uh i guess coming to age Mm-hmm. A little bit too. So he's not in full control of his strength yet. He doesn't know what he can do. He knows what he can do. He knows how to pull back. But there's plenty of little uh, panels you see when he does let, not quote, let loose. But he's only he's just grabbing a guy and crunching him. Versus Bruce will have to do some uh, jujitsu, some kung fu to, to get you. This guy just grabs you and it's, <coughs> all right, you're not going to do that again, are you? He drops one guy at, so he gets that fear, but you no. Know, he can fly, swoops out, grabs him before he becomes you know, silly putty in the ground. So it's the fear factor of the bat is still there. But now you have Superman with all his abilities doing it versus Bruce. He's doing a psychological warfare, hunting you down. And then when he, when he finds you, then he's whooping your ass. This dude goes, I'm here, nabs you, crunches you, all right, don't do that again, and flies off. It's two different fear factors, but they're still doing the same job. Everyone's shitting their pants when they see the Batman.
0: Yeah, this... So this... Batman, this uh, Bat-Superman doesn't have the ability. He is just, for lack of better words, he's just so enraged. Um,
1: Teenage angst on full display, folks.
0: He is incapable of pulling his punches. So he goes full ham on everybody. Yeah. um, and that's my technical term for the day
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um and and I think Lois says it best. It's almost as if like he has no soul he's he's as bad as the criminals he goes to to fight against, so there's a reason why vigilante justice doesn't work. uh vigilante justice doesn't work because one um The main reason is if you're going out and going against the law, you're just breaking the law to bring in criminals. Um, And this is that main focus. So you're going to do anything... So Super Batman is... And I think that's how I'm just going to call him. Super Batman. Super Batman. Super Batman is basically doing everything in his power to bring people to justice. The problem is the people that he's bringing to justice are basic human beings. They aren't. So this isn't like the standard Batman where he would say, okay, I can hit certain pressure points and get them to pass out. I can break certain bones. Yes. Okay. Yes. Breaking bones are bad. But if he's stopping them to, you know, stopping them from getting away, then whatever. This one here at some point doesn't even know his own strength because he's still learning him.
1: And and this is where I have my, my biggest problem with with speeding bullets. It, because, again, this is a one shot. I'm going to beat this to, to death. One-shots are one-shot stories. You're in, you're out, and you walk away. And again, typically one-shots are a little bit thicker, a little bit longer. You get a lot more narration to fill out the whole story. So when you're doing a Batman story, you know, it's the birth of the Bat, the tragedy, becoming the Bat, fighting the bad guys, and then eventually the, the eventual conclusion of the journey of what comes next while being the Bat. This is such a single issue. We don't get a full... Deep dive of what he can be as the bat because our Bruce, our old school Bruce, well traveled all over the world. So, yes, he's being the shit out of people on the streets, but he knows they go back on the streets. So, what does our smarter Bruce does? He tries to break down the criminal organizations by breaking the little guys along the way. This Bruce. We don't get that narration from him. We don't go for the deep dive. He's just going. I'm gonna just clean up the streets and then put this guy away. Put this guy away. Put this guy away. He's not going the extra deep dive. He's not going after because we all know them, the Falcone families. He's not going after the Cobblepots. You know, Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent, Two Face doesn't exist yet. Obviously at this point, but he's not going after the big guns. All he's going after is criminals because all he knows is criminals killed my family. I must stop criminals. Where our Bruce went, criminals stopped my family. I'm going to crush every aspect of the criminal world. Different variations there, and this is why I, this is where, from being bulls for me, fall sure because we don't. What could have been? It's a great what if, but we don't get the deep dive because if Superman wanted to, we talked about it in the Red Sun. He mentioned it. If I wanted to overnight, I gotta have the whole world under my rule. This Bruce has the same abilities. He can stop crime, bang, like that. But he's still
0: pretty much a boy. Well, and I think the hardest part with speeding bullets is you've got to, for lack of better words, two distinct character Bibles. Mm -hmm. So when you're creating Superman and when you're creating Batman, the writers of these worlds, the writers of these characters have distinct Bibles and distinct laws that they have to follow when they're creating these characters.
1: This is very true. Uh, we, we, I talked about this in several different podcasts. Where, and actually, uh, one of our friends who, who who's uh, visiting us too, talk, We talked about the Batman um, storylines when it comes to iterations on TV, books, the anime versions. There is a Batman Bible that all writers in DC have to follow like you can you can write about the batman. Scott Snyder talked about this at length. Uh, he's one of my favorite writers especially when it comes to Batman. Tony Daniel's too. There are certain guidelines with the Batman you have to do. You, you can pretty much write whatever you want, but there are certain aspects of the bat you have to do. Uh Superman still has that same um, bible as well. Uh, a little more free free Writing. You have a
0: little bit of more freedom with Superman, but because, you, there's still a lot of things you have. Like there's still a lot of rules you have to follow.
1: Yeah. So, so even so, and that's the part with Elseworlds that that drove that drove me a little bit nuts because again, it's for its one shot. Like there's so much I think left on the cutting room floor that could have been, because it's so thin.
0: Yes, this is a very small book.
1: Yeah, like so, like when we covered Red Sun, uh, Red Sun was a three issue series. So if you if you pick up the trade, it's a lot more thicker, and you like you get a, a way more bang for your buck over three issues. So again, Mark Miller is one of my favorite writers, and he can write anything. And you're like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing on earth. Um, speeding Bullets is a great what if, but I think from a story standpoint, it's gonna make you want want more. What if if like this version of Supes definitely uh has way more potential out there versus versus this. It's a great what if because as you get to the next part of the story. Going back to the uh, guys who broke into the house, and one guy who became Christy critters, who should have became Christy critters, uh, you find out. Spoiler alert: works for Lex Luthor, because again, Luthor was coming to Metropolis, and this is why I said earlier I don't really care to mention Luthor earlier because he has such a minimal effect in this book until this point. Mm-hmm. It's literally arriving in Metropolis, like he literally could arrive in Metropolis right now. Where we're going to where we're going to return to this. Find out he had a phone call from two guys that tried to break into Wayne Manor. Didn't work out the way because the guy's a freak. And he, he can simply tell them, just get it fixed. I'm, I'm in a board meeting. And that could have been the scene and life would have moved on. Instead, we got a full page and a couple panels of him doing the whole conversation. Uh, with some foreshadowing of who he could really be. We'll get to that in a, in a little bit as well. But now he's, in, now he's in Gotham. He's trying to take over uh, Wayne Enterprises. Because again, Wayne up until this point is completely non-existent. And thanks to this newfound confidence... Guess who enters the boardroom? It's Bruce Wayne. It's kal but it's Bruce Wayne. Whatever. But this Bruce is much like our Bruce where, again, he was raised by Thomas Wayne. So this kid has a great mind to him. He was trained up from the get-go to think like a businessman, strategic, like master chess player. And after his Thomas was passed away, Alfred took up that mantle to make sure Bruce's studies were intact. He didn't slouch whatsoever. So... This Bruce is not stupid by any stretch of your imagination. So, Luther comes in thinking he's gonna t- he's gonna take over uh Wayne Manor. Bruce says, uh, uh, hey Baldy, get the fuck out of my building. Before you know it, he made a mortal enemy. And Liz Luther is no different than any other Luther in any universe. He is evil, he is conniving, he has bank to boot, and he's not gonna go down without a fight.
0: So, and now Lex Luthor is always the mortal enemy of Kal-El, Clark, slash Superman. So, of course, he would be the mortal enemy of Superman, super bat
1: thing, person. God
0: damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so again, you know, we have to bring in Superman's mortal enemy in this world.
1: Yeah. And, again, uh, throughout this whole issue... Uh, it's all done by narration, and it's coming from from the narration standpoint of Lois Lane. She's narrowing it, narrowing the whole, the whole thing from beginning to end because obviously she knows the whole how this, how this how this whole thing ends. So as she's narrowing the story, to uh, she's narring it from from a past tense point of view. She's letting us know all these events already happened. She's just reading it to us saying, "Hey, blah 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 blah. Page three, page four, page five. This happened, and this is the part of the story where she gets to meet him for the first time." And I laughed at this so much, probably more than I should have. Because it's the first time that Superman meets Lois Lane and you want to think it's cute, you know, two lovers that are, are, are destined, destined to be each other, meet each other, but it's so hilarious to me because it's the first time he's got to really meet a female that he's attracted to, so he's pretty much like a 13-year-old boy who has his first heart on. He's like, <gasps> girl!
0: So, now, this was my, my funny part about it because So everybody knows what are the definitions of Bruce Wayne? Philanthropist, billionaire, playboy. Now take that away and you have billionaire, businessman, klutz. And this is Bruce Wayne, Superman. And I'm like... So the klutz thing is just... So it wasn't just a persona of Clark Kent. He's just klutzy when he's human. Or he thinks all human. So this goes back to the humanization of Superman. His ideal thought of humans are... I hate to say morons, but... We are. Humans are morons to kalel They're klutzy and they trip over themselves. And so when he plays a human to people, he who don't know who the real him is, he's a klutz.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. He's, he, he's what he is. So for story points uh, uh, purposes, uh, Luther obviously is migrating to Gotham to take over Gotham because billionaire's got a billionaire. Uh, he took over the Daily Bugle. Lois Lane left because she Because remember... he
0: took over the Daily Bugle.
1: Yep. Uh, apparently, this Luther, like in your universe, has a major hard-on for Lois. So you know that that that's a bad thing. Also, um, and you'll see it when you uh we re- go through the pages. And those of you who have read, it, please correct me if I'm wrong. But does Luther give you this like evil, like Elmer Fudd kind of feel? Oh my God! Yes. He he he. Like Luther, we we used to the bald look. We're, we're fine with that. But he he he's a bit pudgy and and not in the you know I eat a lot of Burger King kind of pudgy. But he looks like um, I'm hunting for a rabbit kind of pudgy.
0: I'm gonna post this on Instagram. <laughs> so this will be a poll.
1: There, there you go. <laughs> is, is is Lex Luther really Elmer Fudd in another universe?
0: So. Not only does he hire Lois Lane, he also hires Perry.
1: Yeah, and when uh, when that falls out, Lois goes uh, freelance for herself, and then that's another thing that helps uh, the Luther Bruce Wayne uh, feud in this ser- in this series is because Lois comes to Gotham because guess who hired her? Wayne Fucking Enterprises. So apparently, the hard on Luther had. He lost because, you know, Lois didn't want nothing with the Daily Bugle. And now she's going to work for the place for the guy that just told him to fuck off. Can't imagine how that could bite him in the ass later on. I don't know. No no, no clue. So Luther, being the Elmer Fudd creepy motherfucker that he is, uh, meets Lois in Gotham, invites her into the limo to convince her, you know, hey, just, you know, come back to me. You know, things will be better. And Lois is like, no. No, I, I, it's okay. I I know how evil you are. I'm, I'm good with that. Rushes off his advances. Is like, well, I was I was I was really hoping you weren't going to say that. Um, well, get out of my car and good luck walking home.
0: Fifty blocks.
1: Fifty blocks and in the uh, not so nice area, if there is such a thing as a, as a nice not so nice area in Gotham, it's pretty much dropping her one of the worst parts in Gotham because you know a heel's got a heel. But thankfully, because this is a comic book and not an episode of CSI, there is. The Batman that hears her swoops in and rescues her. And if you're looking at the pages, when he uh, decides to rescue her, uh, these guys take a beating. And remember when I said all he had to do was just touch a guy and they'd be in pain? Yeah, he does that. He literally crunches a guy. He lightly, we'll say laser beams one, one dude. Lightly. It's, it's a flesh wound. It's a flesh wound.
0: And Lois... So... Lois was kind of enamored with Bruce Wayne when she first met him at Gotham Gazette. Yeah. Um, she thought he was charming, even though he was a klutz. She thought he was, uh, a little, um, she thought he was klutzy, but she thought he was sweet and sad.
1: Hugh Grant when he was the man.
0: So she thought he was sad, but she thought he was sweet. Um, Batman comes and she's terrified of him. She thinks, fine, he's fighting bad guys and trying to protect me, but I have no clue if I say the wrong things. Like at least Lex Luthor, I know, is trying to get in my pants. I don't know what this, move, this man's move would be. And he, what he did to these bad guys... I don't think I want to know, and she's absolutely petrified.
1: That's probably pretty lightly. She's what what what's the next step he's on besides petrified? Because she's definitely past that level. Like she's like kissing
0: in her pants.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I would be too if I if I saw this big bat thing just laser one dude, crunch one guy's arm, and just tap one guy in the forehead, and knocked him over like he was a freaking toddler.
0: So, she, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm a bit scared. I'm I'm a bit scared.
0: So she actually smacks him, which is kind of funny because she smacks him. It's S-M-E-K. Eh. Smack.
1: Yeah, I, I smack you.
0: Okay. I smack mm. you. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. I can't. Okay. So, as you can tell, the uh, the psychological part of this story doesn't, doesn't kick in for a little bit longer, folks. So it, it's just really just. Dis- Interesting to see this dynamic of everything. So as it slips, slips along, now, again, she's meeting, she's meeting Bruce. She's working with him. And she can't help but feel like, you know, like, again, everything Kathy just said, you know, he's klutzy. He's charming, but he's sad. Like, there's something more behind him, but I can't quite figure out. Not sure what it is yet. Mm-hmm. But then, But then she, she thinks about the bad man. She's like, I don't know what that is. Um, Please, whatever deity exists, keep that thing away from me. Once was enough. There would not be a second or third time because I don't need that in my life. But then again, this is a comic book world, so we need to have that in the comic book world. So earlier on, I mentioned the, how the two thugs talked to Luther, saying, hey, this, this deal went wrong. The Wayne Manor, this kid, is uh, apparently there, a bit of a, of a physical freak. Nothing went down. And we get these little pages of what we believe is the Joker of this world. And then we move on to where we're, we're still in Gotham where at the Gazette. And for a minute we thought we we're gonna run into the penguin, because there's this is trench coat, there's this hat, there's this the umbrella. There's an umbrella. We're thinking we're gonna get the the penguin, which would have been an odd choice for a villain. I'm glad it didn't work out that way, because at this to have them introduced at this point would have been I think one villain too many and the wrong villain at this point. The hat comes off, and then there's Luther as The Joker. So apparently in this universe, it was Luther who had an accident at Ace Labs and had the transformation of the white skin, the green lips, everything. He becomes the Joker of this world, not nearly as menacing, which is the the hard-selling point. So he's really Joker in name only more than anything else. He pretty much just storms in, demands to see Lois, you know because oh and face and face yeah the face you know the the guy again the pale skin and everything yeah you know wants Lois because how dare he turn her down screw this Bruce Wayne kid you know Gotham's gonna be mine because no one turns down Lex Luthor it's bi- so you don't get the fear factor of the Joker that you've come to know and love and get terrified of the Joker War was a great arc where we got to be reminded that the Joker is not a character to be loved with this is, this is a character to be feared at every given moment. This Joker of Luther just felt like it was Joker for Joker's sake.
0: So, one thing I love about the original Joker is so the Joker is maniacal, but he, with his impulsivity, he is also extremely intelligent. And you need to not. Put that past him like he is extremely impulsive but he is extremely intelligent he can put together a very quick plan that may work and if his plan doesn't work he probably has something that will be extremely rash extremely impulsive and extremely de- uh deadly
1: i mean i i mean we can just look at recent recent uh history uh two great story arcs uh death in the family Uh, rattled the Bat family right to its core, and the Joker War is probably uh, we're still reeling from, where he absolutely put not just the Bat family on its head, he put all of Gotham on its head, where we're still dealing with it uh, more or less ten issues later, and the comic book world, that's an eternity. And those are two great stories to remind us how screwed up and how truly evil and terrifying the Joker really can be. So again, going back to this, this Feel this felt so flat for me because I'm thinking, okay, this is Batman. This is gonna be Superman. I can't wait to see what the iteration of the Joker is gonna be here. And then on paper, you're thinking, oh my God, Luther's the Joker. How awesome is this gonna be? And
0: Luther is a genius. And, Luth- and I felt like he read like Donkey Kong.
1: Yeah, like like Luther in Red Sun. And we and the reason why I'm I'm playing that, that back again because if we go to the next trope uh, in two weeks and then we start tying out how, how all this is different. Luther in Red son was the Luther we expect. Brilliant mind. He, he thinks he's for the greater good, but it's all about him. He, he must satisfy his ego. So this Luther, Luther, again, is all about his ego. Nothing else by his ego. And that's not really the Joker. So you're thinking, what will be the twist on this? He, nope, it's still all about Luther. He's just having a white face, and that's it. So his umbrella is a bit of a flying device as he kiss, as he kidnaps uh, Lois Lane. And it's basically one of those things where, well, if I can't have you, no one can have you. But on top of that, he does show a little bit of his Joker side where he has a lot of money, a lot of resources. He decides to wage this war on Gotham with mercenaries who are come loaded. Like these guys went to the Rambo shop and had free ring with a black credit card to buy whatever they want. And they brought guns rocket launchers tanks, tanks they <laughs> went in like they went fortnight before fortnight was fortnight they came ready to fucking party so now we have our big finale where i hate saying it but it's really superman coming to save the day dressed as batman
0: yeah it really was that's all it was and i mean
1: i mean and then and, and
0: <sighs> i'm sorry but it looks like elmer fudd it reads like <laughs> donkey kong um it I mean, if, if, if he would have, if he would have thrown barrels <laughs> at Batman, I probably would have expected it.
1: <laughs> That's the sequel.
0: It's, it's, again, it's one of my favorite books, and, but it's one of my favorite books because in all honesty, you get to see the post-traumatic growth during the, these scenes Towards the end, where Bruce develops this persona of Superman, where he starts, this is his coming of age. So Batman was his adolescent, uh, rage-filled stage. Superman is his adult post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is honestly more of, um, so we all know post-traumatic stress is what happens when we have a traumatic event. Um, and we know that post, uh, so trauma is going to be something that's going to evoke a terrifying, debilitating response. It can be a catalyst for positive changes. So, These things can be often characterized by flashbacks, severe anxiety, disturbing thoughts, um, and post-traumatic growth is hopefully, um, can be done with or without formal psychotherapy, without formal intervention, but it usually needs five ways to facilitate it. So you need some education, emotional, emotional regulation, a way to disclose it and narr- uh, narrative development and some type of service. So education to move through the trauma of, uh, to growth. One must first get educated about what the former is, a disruption of core belief systems. So in this one, what was Bruce Wayne's core belief systems? His core belief systems, one, was that he was a human boy. And that his parents were going to be around always to kind of protect him. Once that shook him to the core, once those core belief systems were disrupted, you have to then, um, his assumptions were challenged. It's confusing. It's frightening. So he had to kind of stop with the repetitive thinking. So why did this happen? Who's in control? What should I do now? So he starts asking like, you know, why did my parents get taken from me? Why did my parents keep the, these secrets from me? So why did they keep the secret that I was an alien my whole life? Um, again, why did this happen when, when, uh, his parents were, were killed? Who's in control? Again, who's in control is a big thing. Uh, control is always a big manifestation for everybody's, uh, post-traumatic stress. Because it's one of those things, like, especially if somebody dies, like, this is where we start questioning our religious, spiritual, spiritual beliefs, you know, God doesn't exist. Um, If there was a God, if you know, if there was a good, you know, a higher being, they wouldn't let something this bad happen. Um, Emotional regulation. So one must be in the right frame of mind. It starts with managing negative emotions such as anxiety, guilt, and anger, which can be done by shifting the kind of thinking that leads to those feelings. So instead of focusing on losses, failures, uncertainties, and worst-case scenarios, you want to try to recall the successes, consider best-case possibilities, reflect on your, own, uh, on your own or your organization's resources and preparation, and think, of, uh, think reasonably about what you uh, can do. So in this one, like, he had difficulty with this until he started kind of getting to build, rebuilding the Wayne Emper- Empire. So when he started to go to those board meetings and he was like, no, I'm not letting um, Luthor take this. And when he bought the, go- the Gotham Gazette and started working with the Gotham newspaper, this is when he started developing some emotional regulation. Um, because he actually had some type of control in his own life. Yeah. You're over here thinking, okay, but how does that give him emotional control? Well, that helps him to start regulating some type of emotion. Yes. He's not, uh, regulating the anger and anxiety, but it's giving him something else to work on. He's not getting out of, like he's getting out of the house. So That's the Bruce Wayne aspect of it. Now, he created the persona of the Batman. So his personality, that one, will also help with the rage aspect and that anger. Fighting for justice. So we're going to say that he's on the right side of fighting for justice. That also helps him to start developing some post-traumatic growth. Because he's trying to do the right thing. He's still very much a rage monster, though. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, like... There's no uh, part of him that holds back any punches. Yeah,
1: it's not quite uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Because even as a Bruce, he's still... Like, like he's coming out of his shell now. After he's having his Batman you no know, revelation. And he's getting more involved with uh, the Wayne family enterprises. But... No, throughout the issue, we don't get this sense of like he's really coming out of like his whole shell. He's trying to get control of his life. But there's no like sense of like, all right, now that I'm not working, what's my everyday life like? We don't we don't see anything like that in, in, in the issue. We don't see him uh playboying, we don't see him attending uh operas, movie theaters. It's 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 literally I'm at work and then I put on the cape. There's nothing in between. So we don't really know like how much he really is evolving in the social world, but we we do see him trying to get control of his world, at the very least. What he does in between, who freaking knows? Because, again, we don't deep dive into this because there was nothing to deep dive into. And, again, this for me, for speeding bullets, it's the one thing where it it drives me nuts because there's so much left on the cutting room floor that could have been for this story to go from it being a great what if to being a really great story. Mm-hmm. I think if it got something along the else, the other else worlds run out again, I'm gonna mention Red Sun, where that got three issues to tell the story. I think if they, if Speeding Balls got a three issue run or even two issues, something a little bit longer to really drag it out, uh, the emotional mental evolution of the character would have been better, even from a complete story standpoint. You could really fill in the gaps more, I think would have been great. Because at this point, you know, we're we're reaching the crescendo, and we said it. He, it's 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 all. I'm cool or I'm pissed off all the time. He's in Batman form now, so now he gets to be pissed off all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. So now he has his city under attack, which we know he doesn't like. Because remember the part we had newspaper clippings all over the house. This dude has that sociopath part down fucking packed, and now we have this guy who just took the girl that made his penis hard for the first time in the air. So now there's that problem. <laughs> so, yeah, anger is a real freaking thing right now. So he grabs Luther in the air and he's pre- totally prepared to freaking just drop him. And he, and he pretty much is going to make do on that. And he does do it. But he sees Lois and she screams out, no. And that's what breaks him that moment where I, I can't kill this guy. Flies down grabs him is like, well I guess you're going to jail. And and Luther and Good Joker Father's like Faction is like, You're gonna let me live? What are you stupid? <laughs> oh bats, we're gonna have fun for ages. Yeah. But if Lois was not there, this bat would have no problem killing, because that would have been his first legitimate kill. He's just been made not maiming, but he's been pretty much beating up anything with a pulse and leaving him leaving him close to dead. That would be his first legit kill. And who knows that unchecked what this Bruce could have did. To go back to Red Sun, he said, quote, I could have had the whole world wrapped under my iron fist if I want to under a night, un- under one night. I wanted them to follow me. I wanted them to choose that. This back could have been like, all y'all are going to behave, or I swear to whatever God you pray to, I will laser you, channeling his inner Homelander before Homelander existed. So that moment happens, and then you're like, oh, Really? That, that that's what sets him off. And then he fights the tanks, beats the tanks, and all that fun shit. And then he goes back to the girl. And then I don't know why, you know, the, the narration goes the way it does. But basically, like, she, she somehow knew that was, that was the guy. That was the klutz. And you're like, really, bitch? You knew, you knew that was the guy all the time? The guy that pretty much made you shit your pants the first time you met him? That's, you. again, I love the what if. It's the story that drives me batty. It, it really is. Because at the end of it all, he becomes the champion of good that you know, she knows him to be, and all that fun stuff. Like he, like again, the narration is from Lois's point of view. All this is in the past. It's the it's the birth of the Batman to the very last page where he does become the great symbol of justice that we that we've known him to be throughout the decades.
0: The Superman.
1: The, yeah, that beaking of likes because at the very last page, the last panel is a full page panel. It's him in official Superman garb, but it's done in a way where. It, the, there's no more. There's no more cowl. You see his face. It has the Superman colors. But he has a cowl. Yeah, he, no, he has the cowl. But I mean, the face covering at the very least. It, yeah, it, 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 you see his face now, and he's and as he's flying, he's smiling because he's he's you no, know, he's come to he's come full circle emotionally, mentally, all thanks to pussy. But you know, he, <laughs> he's done the journey, and it really feels like a like a Superman story versus the Batman story because if the if there is the Batman tragedy. But it's really him becoming Superman
0: Mm -hmm. versus
1: the Superman becoming the Bat.
0: So, well, this is, again, a story of post-traumatic growth. So, with this, we know he's disclosed to someone being Lois Lane. Um, So, he's come apart and he's been able to talk about what happened and its effect on him. Um, the short term, the long term, personal um, and how he's been struggling with the loss of his family, how he's been struggling with finding out that he's not well, that he's more than human because I don't want to say that he's not human because in all honesty, he's developed empathy from his time with the, the Waynes. He's not like um, Superman from Red Sun. He is empathetic. Um, He's also had a narrative development. Um, This is where he's been able to um, produce an authentic narrative about the trauma um, and his life afterwards. And he can accept basically the way the chapters have been written for him. Um, And he's able to kind of start writing his next chapters. So basically, he's able to dictate how he wants his life to go. So he doesn't have to be the Batman anymore. He can become Superman. Um, He's able to say he's had a traumatic past, um, but it leads to a better future for him. Ultimately, you know, from there, he's also doing service.
1: Oh, he's a good citizen.
0: Well, that's also, I mean... That's one of the greatest parts of this five point thing for post-traumatic growth is not only are you helping yourself, but you're helping others that have been in a similar point that you have been. He has been through so much loss as the Batman, as Bruce Wayne, that he can help others go through similar similar losses. Um, as a superhero, and I'm going to touch on this just briefly because that's a whole nother story that I would love to get to at some point. There's a term called compassion fatigue, and this is for people who are in fields such as therapists. There are people who are firefighters, superheroes. Uh, EMT workers, police officers. These are people who are constantly on the front lines, um, nurses, doctors, and they're constantly, constantly, constantly helping others. And at some point they just get exhausted. Um, And in Heroes in Crisis, um, that's why I said, I didn't really Mm. want to talk about this. Um, Heroes in Crisis, we really see the help that a lot of, superheroes need um so when we say service um Bruce the real Bruce that we normally see talks about service and how he has needed to help people to help himself um but this is something that is we need to help people to help ourselves feel better but at some point we need to kind of say know or stop to help ourselves kind of just rest and be able to put that wall up for ourselves just to give ourselves that break. Um, Because again, if we don't take care of ourselves, nobody else is going to take care of us for, for that very reason. Um, But yeah, Speeding Bullets is a very short book. It's 50 pages. The artwork I thought was great though.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, my, my my biggest problem with *Being Bullets* is that it feels very much like a single issue versus a one shot. You know, one shot typical pages. Yeah, it, it fits the bill, but from a um, a story standpoint, it just feels like there's so much left on the floor that could have been to really flesh it out. So, if you're looking for a good story, if you read it, you know what what Speaking Bullets* is all about. It's it's a it's a great what if. if you're looking for a, a deeper story, you're not going to find it here, but. It serves its purpose as far as what if, you know, kal landed in Gotham. Yeah. You get to see Luther as the Joker. It's not really as terrifying as you think it would be. Even with the crescendo with his war on Gotham, because, again, Luther has all these resources. He throws it at Gotham when he can't get Wayne Enterprises. He loses, you know, Lois to Bruce Wayne. So the Joker in him comes out and just lays waste... Or attempts to lay waste to Gotham, Bruce comes in to save the day. As he does, it's Lois talking him off the edge to not to not kill. So it has the tropes that you're typically used to seeing with a Superman book. You you have your tropes with the Batman with the the tragedy that that feeds him becoming the Bat. So those things are there. It's nice to see. If you haven't never read it, it's a good read. It's it's thankfully thanks to the internet not terribly hard to find depending what. Avenue you go to, you may pay a pretty penny, but nothing that's going to break your wallet. So it's definitely a good read. Again, great what if, if you're looking for a deeper story, keep walking. It's not here. But if you're looking for those elseworld stories, those big what ifs, yeah, it fits the bill. It definitely is a a fun read for that. If if you're looking for, again, the deeper cuts, this isn't it. So come in with open mind. You'll enjoy it. Looking for something too deep, just keep walking.
0: If you're looking for something that shows a great discussion on post-traumatic growth. This is the story.
1: Yes. I mean, I mean that again, that it fills the it fits the bill on looking for the whole again, the loss, the tragedy. Um, again, you see the sociopath path of him where he's having all those newspaper clippings since he was a kid till an adult. That's not normal. You shouldn't be doing shit like that.
0: Yeah. But you don't see that relationship really the the relationship growth between Alfred and and Bruce. It's, Im-
1: it's implied early on you don't get it after the tragedy a lot of the the bonds you see he has it really is when he's a kid and the narration given that Martha was the one with the big heart uh, Thomas was the one with the mind to make sure his mind was sharp and Alfred was always his best bud you see it a little bit in the adult form but really all the narration feeds that early on
0: yeah so I mean other than that I think we're done with uh, Speeding Bullets.
1: Yeah, buddy. So you know how this works, folks. Like, subscribe, share, share with your friends. We're everywhere. Facebook, Saugus Podcast. Instagram, August Podcast. Twitter. There's a trend here. You notice that, right? August Podcast. I'll be posting that little... I'm going to look for it. I'm going to hunt for it down. I'm going to post it. The split screen of Fat Elmer with uh, Fat Luther. I want to see <laughs> if anyone else agrees, agrees with, me, with me on that because I'm pretty sure... Again, alternate universes, Elmer Fudd becomes Lex Luthor.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and, we'll, we'll and, have we'll have and, that as a poll.
1: And makes a waste to Gotham. <laughs> that wascally Superman.
0: And uh you can find me on uh GFT dot dot com and G- Geek Family Therapy. Uh what is it? GF Therapy on Twitter. Well, Everything will be on the show notes. Way too many things to remember at this point.
1: Oh, there you go, folks. And then two weeks we'll do this again, wrap up our finale of our uh, our collaboration of the Superman tropes. One more big baddie to go, and it's gonna emphasis on the baddie.
0: Oh, you know what? We actually had to talk about that for a second. And that is. CBR had written an article about that.
1: Yes, um, Grant Morrison had a very interesting article about why the evil Superman is uh, basically a tired trope.
0: And should never be done because there's just no way to truly write a uh, an evil Superman. So he actually mentions Homelander. And... I don't remember who was the other one he but I remember him answer, mentioning Homelander. He mentioned I think the Injustice one, but he was really kind of really angry about this whole thing about the the the, the evil Superman. The evil Superman. And I'm over here going I'm arguing for the fact that there can be an evil Superman. <laughs>
1: Look, Grant Morrison has, uh, I'll put it to you this way. If I ever meet Grant Morrison at a bar, he'll never pay for a beer in his life. The man has cut his teeth in the business. He has earned every award he has ever gotten. I am a big fan of his books. There's a freaking collection in the other room of, of his work. So it's hard for me to argue against him. But as we get ready to wrap up this show, and we'll have to deep dive really hard to this next time we do this again. Um, I would say, with respect, he is wrong. The biggest problem with Superman, I think he will testify to this, is that when you have someone as powerful as him, it's hard to write a story to humanize him because he's not Peter Parker. He is not an X-Men. It's really hard to humanize someone who's essentially a god the way he is written. Can an evil Superman exist? Oh, fuck yeah, I do believe it does. Again, with any story, I think Speeding Bullets is a great example of it. You can have a great what-if theory, but that story doesn't have the depth. It falls flat. So I think we're definitely going to have a deep dive into this when we come back again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's in two weeks, folks.
0: So until that time, if you need somebody to talk to, please don't be shy. Please reach out reach out to your friends, reach out to your loved ones. Uh, Hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook. Uh, We'll, we will talk to you.
1: Yeah. Um, You can,
0: and like I say, if you are not the type to like to talk, there is always the text number of 741, 741. That is the text number for the suicide hotline. There is not a, 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 Situation they have not heard of.
1: And if you need to call, the number is 800-273-8255. Again, thanks to Katie Babs for the inspiration to do that on every episode going forward on the Sockless Podcast. So even though, even though me and Kat will be ending our collaboration soon, this will be something I will be uh, mentioning every episode going forward. Thanks to Liquid Metal and Octane. Katie Babs is awesome. So again, 800-273-8255. Again, there's nothing they can't help you with, even if you think they can't help you with it.
0: I...